The Inform Fitness Podcast with Adam Zickerman is a presentation of Inform Fitness Studios, specializing in safe, efficient, personal high-intensity strength training. In each episode, Adam discusses the latest findings in the areas of exercise, nutrition, and recovery, the three pillars of his New York Times best-selling book, The Power of Ten. He aims to debunk the popular misconceptions and urban myths that are so prevalent in the fields of health and fitness. And with the opinions of leading experts and scientists, you'll hear scientific-based, up-to-the-minute information on a variety of subjects. We cover the exercise protocols and techniques of Adam's 20-minute, once-a-week workout, as well as sleep, recovery, nutrition, the role of genetics in the response to exercise, and much more. Greetings, everyone. Adam here. Welcome to our first Informed Fitness Podcast Rewind. It's a listen back to the classic interviews that we've had with high-intensity gurus, scientists, and master trainers. Names like Martin Gabala, Doug Brignoli, Simon Shawcross, Ryan Hall, Dr. Doug McGuff, and of course, Gary Taubes. This is part one of four with author, personal trainer, and biomechanics expert, Bill D. Simone. In 2012, Bill penned the book Congruent Exercise, How to Make Weight Training Easier on Your Joints. Bill is well known for his approach to weightlifting, which focuses on correct biomechanics to build strength without undue collateral damage to the connective tissue and the rest of the body. So here is part one, where Bill will explain all about being joint friendly. Let's explain, first and foremost, you wrote something called Moment Arm Exercise. Yes. So the, the name itself shows you how technical it probably is inside, right? So a right. moment arm is a very technical term, very specific term in, in physics. But then you, now you're calling it joint-friendly exercise. And, and you had called it also congruent exercise at one point, all, all synonymous with each other. So please explain, what is joint-friendly exercise or fitness? It's based more on anatomy and biomechanics than sports performance. Unlike you know, a lot of the fitness fads that the attitude and the, the verbiage comes out of, say, you know, football practice or uh, a competitive sport, um, what I'm doing is I'm filtering all my exercise instruction through the anatomy and biomechanics books to try to avoid the vulnerable, putting the joints in vulnerable positions. And that's so complicated, which is why I struggle so much to, to make it clearer. So I started with moment arm exercise, and then I wrote congruent exercise, which was a little broader, but obviously the title still requires some explanation. Now, as it happened in my personal training in the studio, I would use all this stuff, but I wouldn't explain it because I was only dealing with clients. I wasn't dealing with peers. Since it's a private studio, not a big gym, I don't have to explain the difference between what I'm doing and what somebody else is doing. But in effect, I do, I've been doing this every day for 15 years. You know, I have to say, when you say that, that you didn't explain it to clients, I actually use this information as a selling point. I actually explain to my clients why we're doing it this way as opposed to the conventional way because this is joint friendly. I don't get too technical necessarily, but I let them know there is a difference of why we're doing it this way versus the conventional way. So they understand that we, we actually are cut above everybody else mm. in, in, in how we apply exercise. So they don't feel, you know, so they feel very secure in the fact that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. But I digress. Well, but you know what I do is though, is any, any signage I have, business card, uh, website, Facebook presence, mm -hmm. all lays out joint friendly and mm -hmm. defines it. 
and kind of explains it. So I would say most of the clients I have aren't coming from being heavily engaged in another form of fitness. They're people who, who start and drop out of programs or you know, they join a health club in January and they drop out. It's not like I'm getting somebody who is like really intensely into CrossFit or intensely into uh, Zumba or bodybuilding and, and they're, now they're banged up and now they need to do something different. The joint friendly phrasing is what connects me with people that need that. I just find they don't need the, they don't need the technical explanation as to why we're not overstretching the joint capsule in the shoulder. I can, you know, of course. Why we're not getting that extra range of motion on the bench press. But, because, because again, there's nobody, they haven't seen anybody doing otherwise, so I don't have to explain why get, I'm doing it this way. Yeah, but they might have had experience doing it themselves. Just take an overhead press, for example. Having your arms externally rotated and abducted mm-hmm. versus having them in front of you. Yeah. There's an easy explanation, right, to, to a client why we won't do one versus the other. But I have to say, I do not get people who even know what a behind-the-neck press is. Now, in Manhattan, it's a little different. You know, it's more dense. So, so for this conversation, let's assume some people know what an overhead press is. Okay. And they, they, they understand, in a way, what the conventional is. But we can kind of get into it. What is conventional and what's not conventional? So it's joint-friendly. So how is it joint-friendly? What, what, what are you actually doing to make it joint-friendly? Well, the, the, the short answer is I use a lot less range of motion than we got accustomed to. Mm-hmm. when we used to use an extreme range of motion. You know, if bodybuilders in the 60s were doing pumping motions, mm-hmm. and then you want to expand that range of motion for a good reason, and then that gets bastardized, and now we, we take more of a range of motion and we turn it into an extreme range of motion, just because going from partial motions to a normal range of motion was good doesn't make a normal range of motion to an extreme range of motion better. So what's, what's, fact, what's wrong with extreme range of motion? Well, because Don't you want to improve, they'll say that you want to improve flexibility. So the hit guys who would say you're going to improve flexibility by using, by loading. The hit guys means the high intensity training uh, sect of, right. of our business. So, so, the, so the line about you're going to use the extreme range of motion with a weight training exercise to increase flexibility. Well, first of all, either flexibility is important or it's not. And that's one of those things where hit has a little bit of an inconsistency and in that they'll argue that it's not important and then they'll argue, but you can get it with the weights. That's number one. <laughs> number two, you know, a lot of the joint positions that machines and conventional free weight exercise put us in or can put us in are very vulnerable to the joints. And if you go to an anatomy and a biomechanics textbook, that is painfully obvious what those vulnerable positions are. And just because we walk into a gym or a studio and call, call it exercise instead of manual labor or instead of, uh, <laughs> you know, instead, of, instead of calling it submission wrestling and putting our joints or an opponent's joints in an externally rotated abduct in an extended position, if we call it a pec fly, it's still the same shoulder. It's still a vulnerable position, whether it's a pec fly stretching you back there or a jujitsu guy putting you in a paintbrush. Um, <laughs> And, and the feedback I've gotten from experienced guys like Wynette or guys we know personally, mm-hmm. even McGuff said, you know, I never associated the joint stuff with the exercise stuff. Let's talk about these vulnerabilities that you're talking about in extremes of range of motion, right? So you have to understand a little bit about muscle anatomy to understand what we mean by the dangers of these extreme ranges of motion, right? Yeah. I mean, so muscles are weaker in certain positions and they're stronger in other positions. Maybe talk about that because that's where you start getting into why we do what we do, like understanding that muscles don't generate the same amount of force through a range of motion. They have different torque that's potentials. Right. The, the, the easiest way to show it to a client who may not understand what 
muscle torque is, is to have them lock out in an exercise. Mm-hmm. We'll say, let's, say, let's take a safe exercise, a barbell curl, where clearly if you allow your elbows to come forward and be vertically under the weight at the top of the repetition, clearly all of a sudden the effort's gone. There's no, there's no resistance. But if you pull, let your elbows drop back to rib height, if you pin your elbows to your sides through the whole curl, now all of a sudden your effort feels even. Instead of feeling like, instead of having effort and then a lockout. Get lighter. Points, now it just feels like effort. Or a chest press where, the, where the, your, arm, your, your elbows are straight and the weight's just sitting on those elbows. You're not really working too hard there either. Sa- sa- same thing, right? If you have a lockout, what's easy to demonstrate is when the resistance torque that the machine or exercise provides doesn't match your muscle torque. So if your muscle torque pattern changes in the course of a movement, if you feel a lockout or a um, sticking point, then it's not aligned. If all you feel is effort, now it matches pretty evenly. Now, now here's the thing. All that really means, and part of why I got away from moment arm, all that really means is that that set's going to be very efficient. So like, for instance, the whole length of the repetition you're working. It's not like you work and then lock out and rest. All that means is it's going to be a very efficient set. You can't change the muscle torque curve. So if you were to just to do some kind of weird angled exercise, you wouldn't get stronger in that angle. All you would do is use a, a relatively lower weight, like a Scott bench curl. Nobody curls more than a standing curl. You can't change the muscle torque curve. You might change the angle, which means the amount of weight in your hand has to change to accommodate the, the different uh, torque at that joint angle. <laughs> but you're not changing where you're strongest. If you could, you would never know you had a bad camp. If your muscle torque pattern could change with a good cam, it would also change with a bad cam, and then you would never know. But take a dumbbell side raise. Everybody on the planet knows it's hardest when your arms are horizontal. Your muscle torque curve can never change to accommodate what the resistance is asking. Now, if you go from a machine side raise, like where those two curves match, that set feels harder because you don't have the break. Okay, so you do a set of side raises with dumbbells to failure. If it feels, if it's a difficulty level of 10, of of 4, say, out of 10, and then you go to a machine side raise and go to failure, it's like a 10 because you didn't have that break built into into the actual rep. When it comes to, so so the moment arms, knowing, knowing how to match the resistance required by the exercise and the muscle torque expressed by your limbs, that makes for a more efficient exercise. In terms of safety, it's all about knowing what the vulnerable positions of the joints are and cutting the exercise short so that you're not loading the joint into an impingement or into um, uh, like an overstretched position. Okay, well, that was part one of Bill Simone's interview on the Inform Fitness Podcast Rewind. Now, coming up in part two, Bill and I will continue to discuss the importance of using safe, limited ranges of motion during exercise. There are some athletes that, well, they think they should because their sport brings them to the limits of their ranges of motion, that they should be training to the limits of their range of motion. We're going to discuss if that's true or not. This has been the Inform Fitness Podcast with Adam Zickerman. For over 20 years, Inform Fitness has been providing clients of all ages with customized personal training designed to build strength fast. And now Adam and his staff would be delighted to train you virtually. 
just visit informfitness.com for testimonials, blogs, and videos on the three pillars, exercise, nutrition, and recovery.